Trading Nut, episode 20. Uh, it's it's really nice to have to cast a wide net and look for strategies and, and some kind of thing that's going to miraculously turn it around. And I think that the solution you're looking for is, is looking within. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? I can't believe we're in the 20th episode of the Trading Up podcast. I thought I'd done well when I got to nine, but here we are at 20, and we've had some amazing guests. So do please go back and listen to some of those interviews to find out a whole bunch of very useful information that you can use in the markets. Now, uh, we've got an interview, another interview coming up for you today with George Papazoff. Uh, a young trader from uh, Toronto, I believe. Toronto? Yes, yeah, Toronto. So, guys, we've got that coming up. Great interview. And we've actually got a little video uh, video sneak peek of what he does on the charts afterwards as well. So stay tuned to find out how you can get access to that. Um, what else can I tell you? Now, last week we had Eli Camacho on the show. Now, Eli's a Forex trader who's really trying to make trading his thing. His He's a window washer and he wants to become a trader this year. So I'm also looking for a stock, a futures, and a crypto. Well, I've added in a crypto trader. So if you trade cryptos, if you trade stocks, or you trade futures, then hit me up on my email, cam at tradingnut.com. I want to get you on the show. I want to track your journey across the course of 2019 to see how you progress. And hey, look, you know, we might even track you throughout your trading career, and I'm sure it's going to give you additional motivation, but to give you even more motivation, I've managed to line up my first special, um, a special, I suppose, uh, bonus for coming on board, all right? So if you come on board, you're going to get a special bonus. Hopefully, you'll be blown away. Um, there's another bonus you've got access to as well. Uh, so if you are trading stocks this year, futures or crypto, then please reach out to me on my email. You need to provide either a video or some sort of audio footage so that I can um, just see what you're going to be like on the air. All right, guys. So that's number one action. If you're into that, sounds like something you want to do, then um, please, I'd love to hear from you. Okay. So the next thing is, before we get into the interview, um, the... YouTube channel, I've just put up a new video where I actually walk through a bonus trading robot. That's a supply and demand trading robot. It literally um, works with zones on a price chart and it's a robot that trades those zones. Now, I'm giving that away as a bonus for joining up to the Robot Traders Club for the next wee while. The good news is if you're already a member of the Robot Traders Club or a gold member, the old gold membership that I mentioned, then you get that automatically as the bonus whilst there. So make sure you pick it up. Uh, it's a fantastic little trading robot. I've built in a whole bunch of stuff where you can switch around the buyers and the sells. You can um, basically only trade when there's a round number, like, you know, those psychological levels. Um, I, I've... Uh, 
I've also put in, what else have I done? Oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Guys, trust me, there's so much stuff in this one robot that you can do. It's phenomenal. Um, we've got retests in there. We've got, uh, like, there's a minute configurations of different kinds of levels. I Look, trust me, go and check the video out on YouTube. It's absolutely world-class in terms of what it can do, and I'm sure you'll love to get access to it when you join up or if you're already a member of the Robot Traders Club. So it's not out yet. It's coming very, very soon. Okay, so go and check that out. Now, last but not least, uh, I, I took a day off yesterday. It was almost like I had that um, what's, I, I had the dream day I've been sort of dreaming of for ages and ages and ages and years where it's like I've got no boss, I can go and do whatever I want and it's a fantastic day and it was, we had the hottest day of the year yesterday which is very unusual for where I live. We got to a whopping, I think it was 35 degrees centigrade. That was at my, my parents' way. They had got a little weather station, so they told me what it was. But I only showed 31 on the um, on the national forecast. But, hey, it was a great day. Went to the beach, took the kids there. They're almost back at school. So uh, so I thought I'd, I'd treat them and, and do that. And then we took a dog for a walk. Absolutely sweltering. It was a lovely day. Not so great on the sleep front, though. Anyway. That's enough about me. Let's get on with this interview with George. And remember, we've got a little video at the end that you're going to be able to go and check out and see how George really approaches a price chart. So let's get on with it. All right, folks, so we've got George Pappersoff here from Trade Pro Academy. How's it going there, George, over in, is it, uh, where are you again? Is it Chicago or New York? I can, I can never remember. I have so many people from over that way. All over the place. Today Today we're in Toronto, our head office here oh, in Toronto, Toronto, opposite yeah. side of the pond. Yes, exactly. There was, I knew it was somewhere around there. Um, Tor- yeah, Toronto seems to be the, the, the place that's almost the hardest to get... Uh, um, to do calls with where I am in New Zealand, and it's and it wasn't it wasn't an easy feat for us this morning. It went thirty seven minutes of technology issues to finally get here and get you on. But um, I'm so glad to have you on the show and um, and hear your story today. So so let's get started and um, and find out who you are and uh, how you got into trading. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm happy that we can rise above the technology <laughs> yeah. and uh, conquer it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, my name is George Papsov. Happy to meet all of, of your listeners. Hello to your whole community. Um, thank you once again for having me on. So I really believe that in order to kind of know where somebody's going, you, you really got to get to know a little bit where they're coming from. So I'll give you some of the background, what got me into trading, how I was first attracted to it. Um, my parents immigrated over to Canada. I'll give you a brief little history here. Uh, in 1993 in from from Europe, and uh, my dad was kind of, he was an engineer, my mom was a nurse, so they had the traditional blue-collar values, if you will. Uh, they, you know, the, into them was instilled that if you work hard, you'll do well and, and, and have a safe job, etc. Um, then my dad, for some reason beyond me, got into foreign exchange, the, the last personality that I thought would be trading. But he started trading, and thank God he did, because he got me excited about it. Uh, he introduced me to currency trading in 2000. I was still young at the time. Um, didn't really have too much money, so I asked him, you know, for allowance because the other kids were getting it at school and he said you know i could give you allowance or i could teach you how to make it and i said you know what i like the second one what's 20 bucks let's go with the second option and uh thank god i did because it's it's what i've been doing since i built my first strategy in foreign exchange in 2001 i got interested in the industry so i figured like any young lad what a better way to learn and go to school for it um went into a financial planning degree went into finance basically 
learned nothing about trading and finance and decided to to go ahead and, and start trading on my own on the side. Um, so I dabbled there. And then I did actually complete the, the degree. I finished with the finance degree, went through the school, uh, joined one of the top six banks in Canada where I was a trader for approximately about six and a half years. Did some trading, some sales, but the majority of the career there was, was as a trader. Um, traded through the market crash in 08. Actually, <laughs> started. I joined the desk at the time that it was probably the worst time. Um, I saw a lot of a lot of ruin, financial ruin, Cam, and those are people who we've talked to on the phone and good client relationships, and seeing them lose it all like that uh, really touched me emotionally. And from that point forward, you know, I, at the time I had a blog going saying, you know, markets could potentially crash. Uh, the debt cycle right now are towards the top end of the stage. A lot of debt's being accumulated. And um, I was trying to, to, to sort of share that message, and it just really inspired me, that one event, to go in there and not only learn how to trade but pass it on to others as well. So um, that's kind of my background in, in uh, a little bit more detail maybe than most of you want to hear. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so now you know about me. So, so um, it's interesting. Your, your dad was a blue-collar guy, and he was into Forex. It's, it reminded me of my brother who was over um, just in the last couple of weeks saying that he had some he had some construction workers in his building, and he he used to trade Forex as well, and he was looking at these guys. One of the guys was like putting plaster up or something on the wall, and, and he's showing this other guy one of his trades on his phone. Um, and so it, like it's, it's interesting that the people – that are traders just sort of you know you, you can't pick them you cannot pick them in a room um it's really yeah exactly so yeah, um, you would never know you'd assemble a room full of traders and you'd be shocked at the people that are there it always shocks me when i get to meet uh, some people but yeah it's, it's almost like sort of some sort of hidden society of people um i've, I've only ever met one out at an event and it was only just the last month and i was like I mean, I don't know if it's the New Zealand thing or whatever, but this guy, he he was a, he was quite an interesting chap. He he literally was making. I mean, he was he was doing it full time, and he said he had four screens and everything. And um, then after like I think it might be four or five years, he realised that he was actually just gambling, <laughs> and he just stopped. He, and he, yeah. I think he made some money, and and then he lost it all um, after he fell asleep, and then that was it. He just sort of stopped, and it was like. He's like, oh, no, I'm just a gambler. I'm not. He had no strategy. He was just looking at the the chart and just placing trades and and um, closing out positions. And at the end of the day, he was usually up. But anyway, um, another question I wanted to ask was, so so how do you, how do you get a job as a trader at a bank? I mean, what's that like? What are they looking for? For myself, yeah. So in Canada, because there's the way the Canada works, it's a very uh, highly concentrated banking industry. So there's fewer positions. It's a very competitive industry. Um, what they like to do in Canada is actually attract talent out of school. And I would love to tell you that I was top talent in school, but unfortunately that's not true. Um, I sort of <laughs> skirted along just doing enough to pass. I remember one of my economics professors saying, I know you're capable of better grades. Um, you know, what's stopping you from it? And I said, I'm being efficient. If I need 60 to pass anything over 60 is a waste of effort. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he didn't like that, but in terms of getting into the industry, I mean, you just apply. Like for me, it was an opportunity through co-op, through my uh, degree program, and there was a placement there. I started for the summer, walked to the bank. My school was downtown Toronto, very close, and uh, that's how I got my foot in the door. And uh, you know, I knew that every opportunity to speak with somebody, and there was an opportunity to make an impression. I've always been ambitious and, and really valued relationships, and build a relationship enough to be offered a full-time position once the co-op ended. 
Okay, and so and so you managed to to work your way into the trading floor somehow and and pick up a role there. I mean, did you learn anything that you think other people out there who are like just retail traders did? Did you did you pick up any industry sort of institutional knowledge that fundamentally changed the way you you view the markets? That's a really good question. So I, I guess. In my position, it dealt more with the retail trader, so my uh, contact points were more with the retail crowd. And and the one thing that always stood out to me is that the volume of calls on the desk would always increase at times when the stock market already moved 5 6 10% in a couple of days. We'd have the calls of people rushing in to buy. And, uh, you know, I got to the point that I'd be doing the trades for them, but sort of face to my palms saying, like, you know, this is this is the worst time to be getting in at this point, wait for a pullback or look for better opportunities. So I guess one of the things I learned is uh, to to gather the sentiment of, of the retail trader. And I'll never forget to this day, sometimes I'll look at a chart and I could hear the calls in the back of my mind. I could hear the kind of conversations we would have. Um, and again, it's not, you know, it's by, by no means a knock on the retail trader. I think we just got to do a better job providing them resources to get educated and, and think like an institutional trader. And and so what do you what, let's let's move forward into into what your trading's looking like these days. I mean, what markets are you trading, and um, and what's your trading style? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm a day trader, so at the moment, I mean, I, I run two portfolios, so I split it into two. One part of it, I day trade actively for income. So this is an account that I go to bed in cash. So if there's anything overnight that happens in China, you know how it is that somebody sneezes in China and the U.S. catches a cold right away. Uh, it's a very globally interconnected marketplace. So I'll day trade for cash flow, and then I have a second account that I have it separated as a swing trading account where I do more options and longer-term plays. But the majority of, of what I'm doing these days, because it's so volatile and opportunistic, uh, is day trading futures. So I trade oil, the CL contracts, ES, which is the S&P 500 index, uh, NASDAQ, the NQs. I also look at a lot of bonds and metals as well for correlations, yield curves, et cetera. But I mainly trade the futures on uh, the S&P 500 equities and oil. Those are probably 80 plus percent of my trades are on one of those two assets. Um, like my style of trading is, is I go to about three to five trades a day, depending on the volatility. Some days it's significantly more other days. Uh, you know, three is, is good enough, especially if there's a lack of volatility. Um, and I mean, if you want me to elaborate a little bit deeper on that, I, I use my methodology is order flow based. So I like to look at aggressive buying and selling and the changes of relationship between buyers and sellers to to look at where the next momentum burst will be. So one thing that I look at very closely is looking at where the stop losses are because I know that if the stops are to the upside, if there's a lot of stuck shorts, we're going to probably make a move higher to release that liquidity. And that's where really my strength is, analyzing order flow uh, and looking for moves between one to six, seven points. Yeah, it's interesting. On the S&P 500. Yeah, we had a we had a guy on the show um well it was quite a while ago now and he was like this sort of he's he's not he's he was just one of these guys that had worked out how to trade oil um using order flow and he'd spent most of his time gardening but then he'd just spend like a couple of hours in the morning doing that and he was making he was making half a million dollars a year just doing that and he said that's yeah, enough absolutely. for me that's all I want to do 
um, and he had people wanting to buy him out, like big institutions, and um, get him to stop trading because he was basically could see their orders, and he'd worked out a way to see their orders and how the orders were coming into the market, and he was just piggybacking on them or whatever he was doing. I can't remember the details, but um, absolutely. So, so I mean, do you want to tell us quickly why you landed on order flow as the as the way to to approach everything? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what I what I like about order flow is the concept that you know we we believe out there as traders that um, if especially for traders that are trying to hit that consistent profitability, I know that's the, one of the biggest pain points is trying to get consistent. Uh, we we it's a really easy belief to think that somebody's got more information, more data than us, so it makes them better. But what I really like about order flow is that whether you're an institutional trader like a pension fund, mutual fund manager, um, or you're just a retail trader at home or somebody else and anything in between really. But when you do your analysis, you might be looking at different information, but when you go to execute on the uh, futures market, you could see every single contract. So no matter what your bias and information or source of that bias is, every person executes on the same exchange. And when you see the orders flowing in, you're able to kind of capture a real time uh, decision of whether it's buying sentiment or selling sentiment. And you do that by looking at level two depth price ladders. There's some order flow tools that at the end of this interview, I know, Cam, that uh, you're going to get me to show some of the guys that the strategy. Yes. And, and I'll show you yeah, exactly what I do. But that's what kind of tracked me to order flow. Because whether you're a long-term trader, day trader, scalper, institutional, uh, it's all an order at the end of the day. You're just an order. And if you analyze that flow, it presents some really good opportunities for qualifying trades. And so, so how did you... Um... I suppose what would be quite interesting is where you where you started off from a technical point of view to end up, or I suppose with with all the options you've got in front of you, how did you where did you start off and until tell, tell us sort of I suppose some of the stories of where things didn't go so well and you know you eventually like kept trying and persevering to get to the point where you are now. Oh man, my uh, my journey's been you know I'd love to tell you that. I woke up one day and I found this crazy strategy and it worked and I made $10 million and never looked back uh, since. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I don't know a single trader that trades successfully, uh, and I know plenty of them, who's done it on the first shot. I mean, I've blown out my accounts as well. I've gone through the trials and tribulations. Uh, when I first started, I was I was doing a momentum strategy and it worked great. And I guess one of my biggest pain points that I experienced that taught me the most uh, in, this, in my career personally is my gold trade. Um, I had some interesting opportunities in December of 2007. I was kind of getting along some gold along uh, around the mid 800s. It was trading that low back then. Um, and it, I leveraged up on the way up. It went from 800 to above 1,000. I kept adding, adding. And I remember that when, when things hit the fan and the market sold off, uh, on the way down, I unfortunately completely let go of my discipline of risk management, continued to buy. Uh, and... I'll never forget that loss. Just telling you that story turns my stomach because I started out with a small account, um, built it up to, to six figures. And, and, you know, if you think about that late teen years, I was on top of the moon. <laughs> I was planning vacation homes and, you know, what celebrities I would marry. <laughs> and, and it all fell apart. And, you know, to, to be honest, looking back at that, that moment of devastate, devastation uh, was actually the birth of, of the greatest opportunity of my life is to look at an event and say, look, that can't happen again. And I knew what the cost of lacking discipline is. Um, and from there forward, like really that's been a pivotal moment. And my single largest loss was in that trade. And it hurts to tell you that, Cam, but and, you, know, so, you got to learn and move on. Well, of course. And what sort of, uh, I suppose, what was your strategy back then? 
Uh, what I was doing is I was looking at a one-hour chart. So gold was rallying quite a bit leading up to the burst of financial bubble. I know I know there was a lot of debt on a national level, on a per capita basis. A lot of the lending that was going on at the bank level, the the moral hazard, just being lent to people, ninjas. They were called no income, no job, no assets. Ah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I saw a lot of the ninja loans creeping up, and I'm yeah. like, look. If, if this thing is going to drop, gold's going to go up. So the strategy here was to just buy every opportunity I got. And not that I would be buying tops. You know, I, I did good enough research to, to wait for a dip. But I would just go on a one-hour chart, and I would look at levels at which I could connect the trend line and levels where there were wicks. So if you look at a candle, any place where it hasn't closed or, but traded through, that's an extreme point. And I know that at that level, there's... Uh, liquidity waiting. So I would put some orders in there and try to sweep up the liquidity. And it worked. It worked great every single time um, until the one time it didn't. And had I, you know, had I managed risk better, I would have done, I would have done far better. And that was my learning lesson that the real profit in trading doesn't come when you're chasing the profit, but when you focus more on, on managing risk. And uh, I say that a lot to some of our traders in, in the room. I always tell them, look, you're a risk manager. The profit is your salary. You're getting paid for being a good risk manager, but be a risk manager first. Chasing gains is how you chase yourself off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's you're it's, you're not the first person to to mention that on the show. It, you are a, a risk manager is is a key lesson because I mean I don't know how many times I've seen it myself going in the past where I've like gone. Ah, oh, had I stopped and you know kept my yeah. strategy and not <laughs> done all these stupid things, I actually would be there to, to start again the next day. But um, but it, it's poor risk management. But isn't it funny, Cam, that like you you hear these things, these phrases in the industry, and then later on in the podcast, I give you guys some really good psychological tips and tricks. But um, isn't it crazy that you you hear that phrase and you understand it, but you don't really understand it until you understand it. You know, like know. it's 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 until you're in that seat and you're like, oh, this is what it means. It's not just a phrase that everyone uses because it's cute. <laughs> I know, and it's almost like you can't, even when you do understand it and you, you're, there, you're there in the moment, sometimes it's hard to you know bring it back to, um, to actually fruition, right? So it's like you've got this, you've got this emotional side of that, that's taking over and... It's it's a it, that, and that's what the, the crux of it is. It's the whole sort of emotions. I mean that that's why, you know, everyone wants the strategy and and then they never follow it, and then it's the emotions take over and they can't understand why. Um, Absolutely. That, that's and there's there's science. Yeah, sorry, I was gonna. I was mentioning there's science behind that, and and I think you hit a key point there, Cam. It is it is emotionality because when you start to get emo, everyone makes a plan for how they're going to spend the money they're going to make, but you know that. It's a Mike Tyson quote, make a plan or what do you say? When you make a plan, it's great, but it's not the same. You get punched in the face. Yeah. Like a plan is great, but you get punched in the face and it all changes. And so we make these plans for success, but we very rarely have a plan to manage our way through some of the challenging times. And what ends up happening is that when you start trading, you start trading for the anticipation of profit. You want to get away from your nine to five job. You want to be more independent. But what ends up happening is when, once you start to feel the first loss, emotionally, you start to get triggered on a very deep value level. You start to be, you begin to associate a trading loss with fear, with hurt, with actually being physically punished. And if you look at the human brain, our animalistic qualities, fear of a losing trade or fear of death in a cave a thousand years ago is the same fear. So it really triggers these battle responses in us that as soon as that cortisol gets released, you're dead in the water. You're not going to manage your way out of that trade. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's where the, the real fascinating stuff is. And um, let's get, let's go back to your your trading uh, at present time. So, what what's your winning ratio? Um, yeah, you want the secret sauce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you the kind of how I calculate that. So my risk manager strategy, because I always talk about risk, so I'd have to start with the risk to answer the winning ratio question. Yeah. Uh, I risk five ticks on the S and P five hundred for every trade, and I go for a profit of eight. So that's on my initial position, and I could talk a little bit more about how I scale in and out as well. But on the initial position, understanding that once I hit the initial profit, I'll have to manage the trade again. So I usually do uh, half exits or thirds. So my the way I've kind of structured my trade is that if I'm following the rules and being disciplined, I need just a 40% win rate to break even for the day. And knowing that at the back of my mind and sitting on the desk makes it a lot easier for me. So I'm like, look, you know – you, you could win 40% of the trades. You've been doing this for a long time. Um, but my average win ratio depends on sort of how the market's going. Usually if it's transitioning from no volatility to volatility, it'll drop as I kind of adjust the strategy. But I'm sitting around for 2018, probably low 70s, high 60s. And, uh, you know, if anyone tells you it's higher than 95%, be careful because it might be that gold trader that I was in my bedroom a couple uh, well, years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so all right, so your winners, your winners are uh, sorry, your winners are bigger than the losses, and you're about sixty to sorry, was it forty or sixty, seventy to sixty? So that was the. Uh, it's around seventy on average, high sixties, low seventies. Sometimes yeah. it's been as high as eighty, but sometimes it's been as low as as low fifties. But the 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 real like hurdle for me is forty percent based on the way of structure my risk management. Right. And um, and how many how many trades would you be managing at once? Um, I like to do up to two or three sometimes if I get really wild and I'm feeling uh, mentally sharp. But any more than that, I would um, I would start to lose focus on, on the one market. So I like up to two max. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm not looking at many markets. On any given day, I'm looking at least 10 to 12 different assets because I follow correlation a lot. Um, I feel like at pit traders back in the day, that's all they used to do, look at the quote board trade off of price movement and correlation. So I'll follow a lot of markets, but I can't be in, in a trade, simultaneous trade in any more than two assets. And the, what time frames do you look at when you're trading your, your intraday trades? Yeah, that's a really uh, interesting question. I'll give you the short answer for that. I don't actually look at time. Um, Albert Einstein said that you know uh, time is relative and it's the same in trading. So what I've done actually, Cam, is I've removed the time chart. I mean, I'll look at an hourly probably once a day to kind of get a sentiment of where the market's headed and map out some levels. But then the actual trading is done on uh, rotational structure. So, you know, any market has a pullback, if you will. It'll go up and then it'll have, it'll have an impulse wave and a pullback. So I measure the rotation of the market on the S&P 500. It's about four to six ticks. Uh, and I'll use that as a range bar. So it's called a range bar chart. Uh, you might have heard of the Rankos out there. They follow a similar structure, but uh, there's yeah, yeah, some key differences. Yeah. Yeah, so the bar prints, Cam, when there's uh, five ticks of a reversal from a high and not when five minutes passes because then that takes into account price movement and volume and real market structure as opposed to just five minutes. Because, you know, you would agree that in your life personally, not every five minutes is the same. There's some five minutes I'd love to relive. Others, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) And so so how did you land on a a range bar chart as the, the one you want to actually follow? Uh, I did a lot of experimentation with different settings and, and how I landed on that one is when I compared that to a time chart, I had an aha moment because I saw so much more clarity. 
uh, for example, on a time chart where you could have a wick that takes you above a level and closes back down. You'll have a period of a lot of wicks, and it's just confusion. It looks like chaos. But if you flip to a range chart, some of that wouldn't have happened. It's much cleaner, and it, it works a lot better in trends and in consolidations. In consolidations, for example, if a consolidation goes for an hour and a half, you might only have three candles. Right. Uh, that's an extreme example. Yeah. But it really condenses the market to only show you the opportunistic moves and takes away that time factor. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I might have to have a look at it myself and, and check it out. I, I think I'm pretty sure I did look at a range bar chart recently or in the last year, but I can't even picture it in my head now. Um, I've seen so many. Well, I'd be happy charts. to show it to you at the end oh, when we yeah, go into uh, the YouTube component. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So what does your typical trading day look like? How's it structured? Um, I wake up. I have... Uh, a pint of no, I'm just kidding. I don't, <laughs> I don't drink before before I finish trading. So I wake up early in the morning, um, and I do something. Have you heard of a book called The Miracle Morning? Yeah, by L. Harold. Hal Elrod. Hal yeah. Elrod. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, huge believer of that, and and I don't implement it exactly like that. I'd be lying to you if I did that every single morning, but I do a variation of it. Uh, what I'll do is I usually wake up. I'll do a little bit of meditation, five to ten minutes. Um, I found that just shutting off the mind really kind of re-energizes and refocuses your body and everyone you know I, I was the type of trader that would laugh at that like listen I don't want to hear that you meditate to make you a good trader tell me about the strategies but you know the the emotionality and the mindset that you bring to the table is what's going to be responsible for your results so I really like to kind of just meditate clear the mind then I'll go in and journal a few things um, affirmations that I've used uh, I wrote an affirmation about a year and a half ago of how much I wanted to make in a month and this the past Actually, in December, that just ended. I looked at it, and I'm like, man, I did that. It was really crazy. Like, I accomplished that. So I do an affirmation. I'll do about 50 minutes of exercise, and then I'll drive into the office, hop in my car. It's probably about a 10-minute drive. Uh, once I get into the office, I'll look at some news sources that I'd be happy to share if you guys are, are uh, interested. But I use Wall Street Journal. I use Seeking Alpha. That's also a good source. Uh, Zero Hedge, a good website. A little extremist. Be careful how much you believe of that, but just – read the charts, the charts never lie, um, look at some news, and then I take the key pointers and I prepare for our YouTube update every day at 9 a.m. Uh, we actually provide a free update to our YouTube subscribers for the first 15 minutes, news events, what to expect, sentiment, and how we're going to trade the day, and then uh, I open up the trading room and the, and the bell goes, and we all fight. Nice. And so, so how many traders, you got a trading room, so you got a few traders there that, that trade alongside you, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We have uh, three people in the office at the moment. We're currently relocating to a new space. We're going to build out a, a much um, fancier-looking office right now. It's We're just kind of three guys in a room trading, and um, we had two other traders, myself. And then in our room that we open up electronically, we got people around the world joining us uh, that pour in, and we do analysis together. And I know with some of the later questions, we're going to explore that, and I'm going to give you kind of the importance of being in a community. Nice. Okay, so so I'm going to slightly change tacks, and I'll be interested to hear your answer on this. Um, sure. So cryptocurrency trading, have you traded them? Do you invest in them? What are your thoughts? Where do you think Bitcoin's going? Just your general view, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what I love what cryptocurrency stands for. I love the idea of it. Um, I love that it's driving excitement and in investing among some of the younger 
uh, demographic of the population, and I see the, the merit of it. Um, my only trade that I could have done on the on Bitcoin, I've never done a single trade on it. I had a short order at 20,100 US oh. for Bitcoin sitting. Never got filled. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to pop that 20 and then fade it back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, if we're going to, I have a lot of missed opportunities. I always tell people you're going to miss more trades than you're ever going to make in your life. Uh, and that's by virtue. If you haven't traded the last 10 years, you've already missed more trades than you're ever going to take in your life. So, you know, water under the bridge. But that's what I was looking at at Bitcoin. Um, I haven't traded it. And some of the reasons I don't is that the fees could be a little bit higher and liquidity is lower. It's changing now. I know that there's a little bit more liquidity coming into that market. Um, but I just see it more as a, Cam, to be perfectly honest with you, more as an investment opportunity, not a tradable asset. Because on a risk-adjusted basis, there's a lot of contracts in the futures markets that could give you exposure for lower risk with just as much leverage and predictable where you could read all the order flow. Um, I know guys doing really well in crypto. Personally, I, I see it as an investment opportunity. And the question I ask people is, if you wake up in 30 years, what role do you think cryptocurrency will have in society? And if you think it's going to be a greater role than today, no brainer. Keep buying it. Um, it could be a great long-term play. But I view it more as as a longer-term investment strategy than, than day trading. And that's not to say that it's right or wrong. It's just personally, and that's how I see it. And, and what about Bitcoin? If you had to sort of make a prediction on where you think it might end up by the end of the year, do you think it's going to go back up or down or stay stay the same? Um, you know, it's funny when we were trading around 11,000, I was looking at the, I was doing some analysis and I said, look, we might hit mid 3000. I'm like, don't call me crazy because the crazy people sometimes tend to be right. Even, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. So I, uh, I made that call and it actually got down there. I think that Bitcoin right now has, has let go a lot of the, uh, hype. So when, when a lot of the speculation jumped in from everyone jumping on board, cause it was the cool thing to do. Everyone was hearing about it, and they're jumping in and trying to learn. Um, at that point, I was saying, look, crypto, there's too much speculation to accomplish its goal. Now I think we've offloaded some of the retail money, and there's institutions starting to quietly get back in. So I say in, in 2018, or sorry, end of 2019 now, uh, it's definitely going to be higher. I'd probably see around seven, 8,000, maybe more. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay, so so um, let's change tacked back onto onto uh, what you do on your day-to-day stuff so now what do you think made you different from everyone else out there who's getting started and trading it sounds like i mean you had a massive advantage there with your dad and um and getting you interested way back then i mean do you think from a psychological point of view there was anything that you did or you you have that that just i suppose makes you different from other people who are out there like going i want to be a trader and, and are struggling to do it yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a great question, by the way. I mean, we, I think we need to hear those kind of answers from people more. Um, and, and I look at that myself, and, and I was given two routes. One was the route where I could have made it easy on myself, and the second route was to find the most challenging path through the weeds and the forest to come out on, on the other side. I chose that one for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and for me, I found that what differentiates me is I made the stupid mistakes at the very beginning when they weren't as co- as uh, costly. Uh, I was frustrated at the time, but making those mistakes then were necessary for me to be here today, to have learned from them. And when they're when you're doing them at the beginning, any mistake you make is cheap, as long as you're learning. Um, so, you know, I guess the question is, how was I different? What made me different from people out there? But I think that for me, I took the hardest route. 
And because of that, I learned the most. And, and one quality I think I have personally, um, I call it perseverance. My high school teachers and parents call it being stubborn. Uh, <laughs> but I've always kind of wanted to make something work if I've had an idea. And I fell in love with this industry. And, and you got to tell yourself that you're going to have tough days. Maybe you have tough weeks. But if you're just dedicated and you really want this, you're going to find a way to plow through. You may not know how, but just keep evolving, keep doing something better. I think that's one quality that brought me here is just perseverance. I had a lot of opportunities to give up, um, but I didn't. So, Yeah, and it seems like that is a common trait is just like the perseverance, the not willing to let it get the better of you seems to be what gets people there in the end. Now, um, thinking about other people out there, I mean, what, what would you recommend for a, a retail trader who's working a day job? What steps should they take to start earning income doing this business yeah, or at least become profitable? That's a great Absolutely. That's a great question. I, I took this journey. So I, I give you my steps uh, and then what I've learned from it. Um, basically, what to me, what happened was I was I was trading alone at home. And when I was trading, the industry back then wasn't as large. There wasn't as many opportunities. There was less brokers, less real trading communities, less, less everything, uh, less traders and on a retail basis. And what I did was I joined the community. And what I noticed is this. Look, if you look at a professional trading environment, um, what you see is if you go into a proprietary trading company, the technology you see, the news that you hear, um, the setup, everything that you see there you could replicate in today's world. The one thing you can't is the people around you. You look at a professional trader in an institution, they're never alone in a room by themselves. And I think being or belonging to a community has really helped me sort of have a place to set as a sounding board for me to share some of my challenges, successes, learn from others. Teaching others helped me learn better. Um, that was one of the things. Uh, the other thing is, for a retail trader, I would say that once you're starting out, start with the mindset. I think that's a step that I skipped, and I had to go through a lot of pain to go back to that level and work with it. I'll give you one very quick tip. Um, get a piece of paper out and write down what it is that you like about trading and see what it looks like. If you have things like, I don't have to work my nine to five job anymore. Um, you know, I don't have to to worry about my fi- finances. I don't, I don't. That's called away motivation. And that's how I started as well. You know, before I really fell in love with, with what I was doing, I started for the money. Let's not kid ourselves. I as a young person looking for an opportunity to make money online at my own pace, being my own boss, my own schedule was very attractive. So but what the problem with that is, these are called away-motivated goals, Kim. And I don't know if you've done any research into some of the neuro-linguistic stuff like psychology, but the away-motivated goal is only good enough until you move enough away from it that you don't feel the pain anymore. But it's not enough to push you to that next step. You know, like you'll move away, you'll feel good from not being uh, in poverty or not being, not, I shouldn't say poverty, but <laughs> being free, but it won't get you to the point where you're actually hitting your dreams. So what I tell you guys is I challenge you to rewrite your goals in a toward-motivated way. It's fine that you don't want this and that, but what do you want? And if you rewrite your goals like that and you meditate on them and you visualize them, you're setting your autopilot on the right course. And it took that for me. It wasn't a trading strategy. It wasn't a guru. It wasn't anything. It was me getting my own mind and just retuning it. Um, and I think that's where you would start. Yeah, that's, that's and then great I, advice. Thanks, pal. And then I, I wrote a few other things. I create a plan, test it in real time. Um, 
but but the most important part is work on the mindset because it's very important. Yeah, I was going to say to you, how do you work on the mindset then? And that you've given a great answer. So guys, rewind that, listen to it again, and do what he said. Write down why you why are you trading? What is it? And most of the people that I talk to, just like locally, um, the reason you know is when they hear what I do, it's like you know maybe a week later, two weeks later, it's like I want to get into trading. Um, and it's all away motivated goals now I think about it, which, yeah, yeah so, exactly. you know, some of them, and then I say to them, look, guys, it's a lot of work. It is actually a lot of work. You've got to be dedicated. You've basically got to dedicate, you know, your life to it to a certain degree. It's got to be your hobby of choice, and um, and that's so that scares off a lot of people. It does scare a lot of people off. So, right, let's get into some detail around um, the fundamentals. So, do you use any fundamental stuff when you're when you're looking at you know setting up your trades? I mean, you talk about looking at the news and that, and um, how much does that play a factor to what you actually do when it comes down to getting into a trade? Uh, that's a really good question. So for the for the fundamental aspect, I I do follow it. I don't discount it. I I got to tell you, the majority of time I spend actually. So so here's the thing: the fundamentals to me are very important and what drives sentiment. Uh, because if you look at technicals alone, you could sort of see the sentiment playing out, but you don't understand what caused that sentiment. So I follow fundamentals uh, in terms of economic, like macroeconomics. Uh, a, a great read, by the way, for, for your listeners is Ray Dalio's book, The Big Debt Crisis. Holy smokes, that's a great read. Um, it, the way it's written, it's really neat. It sh- explains what a debt crisis is and it gives you 48 case studies and everywhere it's happened in the world in the last 100 years. Right. Um, so understanding those macroeconomics is really important because you understand what drives the biggest market participants. So I follow fundamentals. I research news, economics, et cetera. But when it comes down to choosing an investment, because I'm in it so short term, I focus on technicals primarily. And, and I suppose thinking about the technicals and order flow and that, I mean, what, what would you recommend somebody go out and educate themselves on when, when starting off an order flow? Um, on order flow, that's a great question. So the very first thing that, that we want to kind of look at when you start with order flow, and I could show you some of those tidbits at the end of this interview when we go into the uh, demonstration piece, but understanding the market dynamics. So understanding that when you get to the chart and you click buy, for example, and then it goes up 10 points, whatever you're trading, and you hit sell, you're really excited. You made some money. But understand what actually happened, what caused that profit to happen, and order flow is all about breaking the industry down into small piecemeal order by order analysis. So when you're looking at order flow, the place that I would start out is learning to read the price ladder. So this is called level two or market depth. At any given moment, um, there's a lineup of buyers waiting to buy the market and a lineup of sellers to sell it. And you could see that information. And that information is very revealing. Um, in fact, a lot of proprietary traders and firms they could just look at that depth of market and trade based solely on that. Uh, and the one tip I would give people starting an order flow is look at price action. Understand what actually happens when you buy a contract, who's selling it to you, why they would want to do that. And uh, learn to read the sentiment in real time as that price ladder is moving. That's such a helpful tip because you look at any, um, any indicator, any strategy, any system, if you look at that being plotted on your chart, it's all based on one thing, price action. It all happens on price. Every RSI, MACD, everything's a derivative of price. 
And so I think the traders make the, the mistake to skip that important part and jump right into indicators before understanding how price forms. It is an auction market. There's bidders and there's, and there's sellers. There's bids and offers. How does that exchange cause the price to move up and down? That's where you start. And, uh, and this is the sort of stuff that I hear time and time again from the guys that are, are, are successful. So it's great to hear that reiterated, um, George. Right, we're going to dive into the quick fire round. So it's about nine questions where hopefully we'll give the guys a little wrap up of some of the things you've talked about and some other insights into um, what it takes to become successful. So first one, how long do you reckon it took you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? From the very moment that they started trading uh, to the moment where like, I consistently made, and I consider consistent profit, profit with confidence. So knowing that I'll continue to profit uh, a good seven years. I've been at it for a very long time. And I mean, you got to understand that whole time I wasn't 100% focused into it. I, I got an education at the same time, some back and forth strategy testing, made all the mistakes in the book. So yeah, about seven years, it's been a long journey. I told you perseverance, yeah. we're stubborn. And that's about average from what I what I've from the oh, you know, hundred and seventy odd traders I've interviewed. So, what's your mental approach to trading? Do you have any other special techniques you can share with us? Yeah, this is a really cool uh, mental strategy. When you're looking at a chart, uh, look at it and ask yourself. Eliminate yourself from the the bias of saying where is it going to go up or down. Look at the chart and say what will be the level at which the most amount of traders will lose the most amount of money. And that's where it's going. And that's the truth in the market. So using that mental bias is reframing it that way and looking at where are the stop losses. I always like to ask myself, where do people place stops? Uh, and that's that's my specialty. I, I find the stops with pretty good um, accuracy. So reframe it and look at it from that way. Don't look at it as looking to get in, but ask yourself, those people that are already in, where will they get shaken out? And you'll see the market in a different light. I like it. What's your favorite entry setup? Um, I love to see a breakup. So uh, let me preface this because when you first start trading, it's, it's very, um, it's very tempting to go for a fade. Would you agree, Cam? Would you, yeah, would you agree yeah, that yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> yes. you, you see, you see the market go up 10 points. I like, got, ah, that's it. I missed it. But if I, if I didn't get in on the 10 points up, I'm going to short it on the way down. Yeah. And then you, it goes up another 10 points. Yeah. Then you say, you know what? I'm going to just buy the damn thing. And then it goes down 20 yeah. points. So so what I would say is to, to avoid that at the beginning, my favorite setup, especially for some of the newer traders, is to look for entries into a trend. If the trend is up, and the next question is how do you know it's up? Higher highs, higher lows, and volume is going up as price is moving up. That's a really simple, clean definition. If you see that the trend is up, look for an opportunity and ask yourself, if I was to buy 5,000 contracts, even if you're only trading two, if I was to buy 5,000, where would I look to buy it? Because now you're thinking like a big trader, and guess what? The big traders are the ones that make the moves happen with the big liquidity. So put yourself in the mindset of trading thousands of, of contracts and look at a level and say, where would I buy it to get back in the trend? And I love those trades. One of my favorite setups is a pullback to a simple VWAP. It's called volume weight average price. Uh, and I look for some qualifiers, but getting in the direction of the trend or the, the easier trades, if you will. Now, if you've been trading three, four months, and you're consistent, by all means, fade, go for it. Uh, you just got to watch the market for a long time before you know when to fade, when not, when to fold and when to hold them. <laughs> what strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades? Um, I like to get paid in trail. That's kind of my my um, 
my strategy in, in one sentence. It's my first goal is to reduce risk. So what I do is once I get my first eight ticks, so I'll give you an example in S&P, I'll have a five tick stop. Once I hit eight ticks, uh, by system, by design, I got to take out one half or one third of a position, depending on how much I got in for. Uh, so I'll take one half or one third, then I'll trail stop to break even and let it run. And then my job is just maximizing the profit. But the, the thing I look for the most is to, as quickly as possible, take risk off and make it a free trade without putting a tight stop. That's going to choke out the trade and kill it. What um, What's your recommended trading book? <laughs> Uh, you, you might edit this one out. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, trading books to me is like basing a movie just by looking at its its movie poster. Uh, it, it's great. Theory is great, but the executions where, where really the money gets made. Uh, trading is a real-time sport. So if you like reading as a hobby, you could read all of them. Uh, I'll give you some books, though, that the industry, like, I mean, if you join a proprietary firm, these books will be on the desk. Um, if you're an options trader, Option Volatility and Pricing by uh, Nathan Berg, N-A-T-E-N-Berg. It's a great book, very volume-esque. Um, if you buy it and you don't read it, it'll make a great doorstopper. Uh, <laughs> technical Analysis of Stock Trends, Edwards, McGee, and Bassetti. That's a, that's a classic. And the one you've probably, we've all most likely heard of is Technical Analysis Explained by Martin Pring. I had a chance to meet Martin Pring. We've done an event together, great guy. I strongly recommend those three books, but they're starting books. Understand that it's going to teach you when you go into a car how to turn on the dome lights, where the ignition key is. You can't learn how to drive a car from a book. You just got to do it. I've got to say, (coughs) sorry, excuse me. I've got to say I haven't heard that book before. Um, Out of all these interviews, I still haven't heard that book mentioned. Right, so what? Really? No, yeah, seriously, seriously. Nobody has mentioned it. Wow. Um, I'll have to check it out and I'll awesome. have to hit up Martin for a potential interview. So if there was one thing you'd recommend to any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Yeah, trading psychology. Um, 100% trading psychology. You'll hear often, and I'm sure Cam, through these interviews, you hear a lot of people say, trading is probably about 85% psychology, and somebody will say 90, the other one 70. We all agree trading psychology is a big part of success. And I'd like to ask you how much time and money have you invested in working on that? And chances are it's probably the least amount of time and money you've invested in psychology. So I'd say trading psychology. Um, and, you know, here's a little a, a shameless plug here. We created a course based on neuro-linguistic programming. It's called NLP. And it's basically learning from the get-go how to get into your unconscious mind level and reset your values. Because, Cam, you want to hear a really interesting um, stat? I know... In your part of the world, you guys are very big in NLP. It's pretty much household. Yeah. You've I mean, heard of is, NLP, correct? Yeah, it's quite big, actually. Australia, New Zealand, is, I think it's quite big, yeah. And it's amazing, and that's why you guys are such happy, cool people. But uh, it's like it, it's you're really learning how to reprogram and wire your brain on an unconscious level. Here's a cool fact. Between zero to seven years old, every value that you you have today as an adult was formed between the period of zero to seven. Zero to seven, you're a walking unconscious mind. And if your parents valued safety, guess what? By seven years old, now you have a top value as safety. And it's going to be hard to trade with the value as number one of safety. You have to kind of understand yourself and work around that. And what happens is at seven years old, the GPS destination is set. And for the rest of your life, you follow that route unless you make changes. And these aren't changes you can read about uh, in the everyday kind of textbook. That they're, they're on a very deeper psychon- or psychonscious, unconscious psychological level. And uh, we kind of created a course based on NLP tailored to trading. 
as far as I know, it's an industry first. Um, but, you know, can't make that claim because who knows? Some guy in the basement might have invented it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's worthwhile checking out, I think. Um, so what, yeah. what's your preferred broker and trading platform? Uh, we have an affiliation with Amp Futures. I am not compensated by them. I recommend them because they are uh, a great customer service brokerage, great um, great low margin deposits, so they allow you to kind of trade with a smaller account. And when you need it most, they're there, and they're worldwide. So that's kind of why we have an affiliation with AMP. Uh, I'm not paid anything for them, but we kind of have a group uh, ordeal for our members. And then that is fed by Sierra Charts. So Sierra Charts is this little platform that when you launch it, it looks like it was made in the 90s. But my goodness, is it powerful. It's a really powerful platform for futures trading. Uh, for currencies and options, I use interactive brokers. And then for um, looking at just larger term trends, because I love the chart so much, trading view. Side note, um, Sierra Charts, I found out the other day that their postal address is about, I don't know, about a K from where I live. And Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I was I, Where I go and get acupuncture, The um, it's in the same building as that. So, But then I, I thought, oh, maybe I can pay them a visit and do an interview and stuff. And uh, I contacted them, and the guy who actually runs it is now living in – he still lives in New Zealand, but he's in a different part of the country, and it's just a postal – it's literally a P.O. box – just down the road from me for some it's weird it's very weird that that's you know oh, wow. somebody who's got such a international um exposure from the trading community is just like their postal box is just down the road i was actually going to try and go in there and have a look at it just to just to see what it looks like it's probably just a plain old box that that's got a number on it anyway um so I, that's awesome you sound like uh, somebody who has perseverance too it's in your backyard why not check it out right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> right so um that's cool what's the worst trade you've ever had Gold, next. Uh, yep, you mentioned that. So, <laughs> yeah. if you could leave our listeners, we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, put more focus on real-time execution in psychology. I think that's a very big thing. Uh, it's it's really nice to have to cast a wide net and look for strategies and, and some kind of thing that's going to miraculously turn it around. And I think that the solution you're looking for is is looking within. Uh, I think psychology is very important to start with, but then real-time execution as well. We learn so much about doing this analysis on daily one hour, 15 minute time frame. But the news is this, a, a swing trader, an investor, Warren Buffett himself trades on what? The nanosecond basis. That's the only time frame there is. There's no other time frame. Orders go through in real time. So focus on the real time. Um, kind of get, get the idea that it's a white collar job up, roll up the sleeves and make it a blue collar thing. Just jump in and, and work hard and you'll see it in the execution. Uh, and I'll give you this one last tip too. This is the second piece of advice is make trading work for you. A lot of times we'll jump at something that maybe marketing told us we should, for, that make it easy and make thousands of dollars. You shouldn't have to change your schedule around to make trading work. Make trading work in your schedule. I always ask people, what are one to two hours a day you could commit to this? Because that's all it takes. Choose those two hours. There's a market out there. It's a global marketplace that you could trade. So find a schedule. The most important part is being able to be consistent with it chunk out some time, schedule yourself, and you'll see that through regular work, the big picture becomes very clear. Cool. Great advice. Um, what a fantastic interview. And look, we've got one one last question, and I'm wondering whether or not this is uh, something we do on YouTube. And so this is where, where we'd like you, you to give the, us the bones of a full trading strategy, the entry setup, stop loss, take profit targets, market time frame, something our listeners can try it at home. Uh, is this what we're going to jump on YouTube and, and do, or... Yeah, we should. 
uh, it would make sense to, to jump on YouTube okay. and, and probably demonstrate it because explaining cause order flow is probably a new concept to some. Uh, explaining it would be hard. Okay, brilliant. I'll tell you what. So we'll, let's wrap up the interview here. And guys, if you want to find out um, what George is going to show us on the screen, then head over to the YouTube channel or actually head over to um, tradingnut.com. Find George's interview. Search George in the search box and you'll find it there. So, But before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Cam, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. I've had a lot of fun doing this with you. Um, one way to find or get a hold of us is we do YouTube morning market updates every morning, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time daily for free. We'll co- cover the news events. I'm very interactive with the, the audience there through the comment section as well. We have a Facebook group called Home of the Trade Pros. Um, on our website, we actually have a free training. You get six lessons that you'll learn, introductory material to options, stocks, futures, uh, and, and a lot of different markets. So you can find out which one works for you. So I think the problem in the industry is we're, we gravitate towards a product because that's what we heard about. But each product is different, and it has different advantages that might fit with your schedule better. So we kind of created a course explaining all of them and trying to pick which one's right for you. So that's a free course. You guys can check it on the website. And, um, you know, I'm always open to everybody. I, I love to, to meet everybody out there, like-minded traders, because we're all crazy. So let's be crazy together. If you want to send me an email, georgiatradeproacademy.com. Brilliant. Okay, great. Look, um, we're going to jump onto YouTube now, but a big thank you to George for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here with all the links are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for George in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, so there you have it. Now, I did mention there's a video, and you're going to be able to go and check it out on the YouTube channel. So either go over to the YouTube channel, if you know where that is, which you probably don't, or go and check out tradingnut.com, search for episode 20, and you're going to find the video on that post, along with all the quotes from the interview that you'll want to remember and put up probably on your wall next to your trading desk. All right, folks, last but not least, we've got the uh, the the traders that I'm going to track. So if that's you, if you think that could be you, then please do send me an email, cam at tradingnut.com, and go and check out a little sneak peek of the robot on the YouTube channel as well. So this is the bonus robot you get for joining the Robot Traders Club. All right, folks, until next week, I'll catch you in the markets.